0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor, Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to another Beyond the Pearls case. My name is Dr. Parastu Khalasi Hosseini, and I will be reading to you case 27, titled 13-Year-Old Male with Hematoemesis" by Dr. LaCole and Dr. Pete Sack. Let's begin. All right. A 13-Year-Old Male presents to the Pediatric Emergency Department for hematemesis. He has had two months of upper abdominal discomfort, worsening over time, and associated with a mild 5-pound weight loss. In the last week, he has had severe abdominal pain in the epigastric region that is dull in nature, non-radiating, and worse after food consumption. Bismuth subsalicylates and ranitidine does not relieve the pain. His pain is associated with nausea and occasional vomiting without any blood until today. He denies smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol. So how does this uh, described pain inform the differential diagnosis? Chronic epigastric pain is usually due to gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD, peptic ulcer disease, or functional dyspepsia. The latter being a diagnosis of exclusion because the pathology is not identifiable. Significant weight loss would suggest malignancy, although upper gastrointestinal malignancy is exceedingly rare in children. Epigastric pain that radiates to the back is suggestive of pancreatitis, although chronic pancreatitis is rare in children. It may explain the acute worsening. Gallstones should be considered in particular if the pain localizes more to the right upper quadrant. Dyspepsia, due to the use of drugs that can cause upper GI pathology, for example, NSAIDs, corticosteroids, antiepileptic drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, should be ruled out. Time for a basic science clinical pearl. GERD is exacerbated by several dietary and lifestyle components. Alcohol, nicotine, and caffeinated foods and beverages decrease lower esophageal tone, allowing gastric contents to reflux more easily into the esophagus. Fatty foods delay gastric emptying, giving the food bolus more time to sit in the stomach and reflux. Eating a large meal and then lying flat also increases GERD, especially in obese individuals. Spicy and acidic foods do not increase GERD or PUD, but are felt more in the esophagus during GERD. The acute presentation of emesis with bright red blood indicates a recent upper GI bleed, such as one from esophageal varices or from a gastric ulcer. Coffee ground or dark brown to black colored emesis would suggest that the blood has stayed in the stomach for some hours, long enough to coagulate. Time for a clinical pearl. Hematoemesis with bright red blood can also be from non-GI causes such as the oral cavity, For example, trauma, a loose tooth, dental infections, sinuses, such as sinusitis, polyps, hemangioma, and the lungs. For example, hemoptysis can easily be confused for hematemesis in young children. Case Point 27.1 On further history, he notes that his stools appear black. With a tar-like consistency, family history reveals that his father was recently diagnosed with a stomach ulcer. So what is the significance of black tarry stools? Upper GI bleeding can cause melana or black tarry stools. This color occurs due to the digestion of red blood cells by various GI enzymes. The stools are often sticky and foul-smelling. If the amount of blood lost from the upper GI tract is rapid, frank undigested blood may be seen in the stool. Bismuth and iron-containing medications can also make the stool appear black. Conversely, rectal bleeding usually indicates a lower GI bleed, as seen in infections, polyps, cancer, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and vascular malformations. What are important physical examination findings to look for with hematemesis? When a child presents with hematoemesis, a careful physical examination needs to be done to rule out systemic disease. Oral aphthous ulcers can point to Crohn's disease. Dental enamel erosions may suggest chronic gastroesophageal reflux, bulimia, or celiac disease. A large liver and or spleen should suggest possible portal hypertension and the need for urgent intervention from esophageal variceal bleeding. The rectal examination is also important because it can reveal perianal lesions due to Crohn's disease and a quick test for occult blood in the stool can be performed. Case point 27.2 On physical examination, he is seen to be in moderate discomfort. He is afebrile. His pulse rate is 100 per minute. Respiratory rate is 18 per minute. Blood pressure is 115 over 75 and oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. His weight, height, and body mass index are average for age. He has a pale conjunctiva, which is anicteric. He has mild tenderness in the epigastric region with an otherwise soft abdomen, without guarding or rigidity. The rest of his physical examination is normal. So what are the most likely diagnoses at this point? Highest on the differential at this point would be PUD. The most common reason for PUD in a child is infection with Helicobacter pylori or H. pylori. Other causes include medications, alcohol, psychological stress, and other infections. Crohn's disease should be ruled out because it can present with weight loss, abdominal pain, and GI erosions and ulcers. The patient does not have any stigmata of chronic liver disease, making esophageal variceal bleeding less likely. What laboratory evaluation is important in a child with hematemesis? A complete blood count may reveal anemia if the ulcer has been bleeding intermittently. If a microscopic anemia is detected. It is important to order an iron panel because H. pylori infection often leads to iron deficiency anemia, which is refractory to treatment. Serum chemistry analyses may show a hypokalemic-hypochloremic metabolic alkalosis if the vomiting of hydrochloric acid has been severe. Serum transaminase, alkaline phosphatase, and bilirubin levels may be abnormal in chronic liver and biliary tract diseases. A stool test may be occult blood positive because of upper GI bleeding. Serum amylase and lipase levels can be considered to screen for pancreatitis. Time for a clinical pearl. In children with a first-degree relative with a gastric ulcer, duodenal ulcer, or gastric cancer, testing for H pylori may be considered. Case point 27.3. Laboratory testing reveals microcytic anemia with a hemoglobin of 10 and a mean corpuscular volume of 70, with normal being between 80 to 96. Stool examination is positive for fecal occult blood. Time for a basic science clinical pearl. Iron deficiency anemia, as demonstrated by this patient, is common in those with H. pylori infection. This is due to a combination of occult blood loss by the patient and iron scavenging by the microbe in the stomach. In children with refractory iron deficiency anemia, in which other causes have been ruled out, testing for H. pylori may be considered. What is the next step? When should esophagogastroduodenoscopy be performed? How is helicobacter pylori infection diagnosed? Although patients with chronic epigastric pain can be treated empirically, esophagogastroduodenoscopy or EGD, should be performed in patients with alarming symptoms such as unexplained iron deficiency anemia, weight loss, evident bleeding, persistent vomiting, and or jaundice. EGD can also be a thera- can be therapeutic to stop bleeding, such as when medications are injected into an ulcer or bands are placed over esophageal varices. In patients with active H. pylori infection, EGD may reveal a nodular-appearing stomach, so-called goose-flush skin, which can be seen in figure 27.1. There may be frank gastritis or single or multiple gastric and duodenal ulcers may be found. Other nonspecific signs of infection may be seen, such as erosions, erythema, and mucosal friability. It is recommended that the initial diagnosis of H. pylori be based on positive histopathology from gastric biopsies and not from serum antibody, stool antigen, or urease breath tests Histopathology of active infection shows signs of inflammation such as increased numbers of neutrophils, eosinophils, and lymphocytes. Specific stains may be applied to improve the detection rate of the bacteria, for example, silver stains. In children with suspected H. pylori infection, it is recommended to take one biopsy for rapid urease testing and culture if possible because this increases the sensitivity of the biopsies. Positive culture is 100% specific and is therefore sufficient to diagnose H. pylori infection. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time for a basic science pearl. The H. pylori bacterium can survive in the acidic gastric environment due to its containing urease. Urease catalyzes the hydrolysis of urea into ammonia and carbon dioxide, which is detected by a change in color of the pH indicator in the rapid urease test. Non-invasive tests for H. pylori include the urease breath test, or UBT, stool antigen detection test, and serologic antibody test. Urea breath testing and stool antigen detection are used to test for eradication of the organism post-treatment but not for diagnosis. IgG testing for H. pylori in children is not reliable and only indicates past exposure, not current infection. Case point 27.4 Due to hematemesis, tachycardia, anemia, and black stools, an EGD with biopsies is performed. Visually, the gastric mucosa appears nodular and erythematous, and a bleeding gastric ulcer is seen, which you can see in figure 27.1. A rapid urease test from the biopsy is positive. Histopathology is consistent with H. pylori infection, which you can see in 27.1. Diagnosis? Peptic ulcer disease associated with H. pylori infection. Time for another basic science pearl. H. pylori is a slow-growing, gram-negative, microaerophilic bacterium that colonizes the gastric mucosa. Risk factors for infection include lower socioeconomic status, higher residence density, and poor sanitary conditions. Co-infection among family members is common. Transmission occurs from direct person-to-person contact. So what is Peptic Ulcer Disease, or PUD? PUD is an acid-related disorder that leads to injury to the mucosal barrier, penetrating the submucosa and deeper layers. It can affect any part of the upper GI tract, including the esophagus, stomach, and duodenum. There are a variety of causes of PUD in children, including H. pylori infection being the most common. Physiologic stresses such as trauma, sepsis, head injury, medications such as NSAIDs, and hypersecretory states such as Zollinger Ellison syndrome. Basic Science Pearl Zollinger Ellison syndrome is a rare condition in which a tumor, usually in the duodenum or pancreas, produces large amounts of gastrin. These gastrinomas present with diarrhea, abdominal pain gastric esophageal reflux disease, and upper GI bleeding due to multiple peptic ulcers. Many children have asymptomatic H. pylori infection, which may never lead to clinically evident disease. Others develop chronic gastritis without PUD and can also remain asymptomatic. A minority of children develop gastric and or duodenal ulcers, which is more likely with specific strains. H. pylori has also been classified as a group 1 carcinogen associated with gastric adenocarcinoma, which is extremely rare in the pediatric population. Chronic H. pylori has also been implicated in causing mucosa-associated lymphoid tissue lymphoma or malt lymphoma of the stomach. Time for a basic science pearl. Risk for gastric cancer is increased in individuals with a positive family history of gastric cancer, smoking, alcohol ingestion, and CAGA strain of H. pylori, and in individuals with polymorphisms in interleukin-1, tumor necrosis factor alpha, and interleukin-10. So how is helicobacter pylori infection treated? Children with PUD and H. pylori infection should receive treatment. First-line eradication regimens are as follows, with antibiotics given for 7 to 14 days and proton pump inhibitors for 2 months. The options include triple therapy with proton pump inhibitor plus amoxicillin plus clarithromycin or an imidazole. Or you could do Proton pump inhibitor plus bismuth salts plus amoxicillin plus an imidazole. Time for a clinical pearl. Proton pump inhibitor should ideally be given 0.5 to 1 hour before eating to prevent high postprandial gastric acid production. Antibiotic susceptibility of the H. pylori to clarithromycin is recommended in areas with known high resistance rates. A non-invasive test for eradication is recommended at least 4 to 8 weeks following completion of treatment. If treatment has failed, one of these four options is recommended. 1. EGD with biopsy and culture of the H. pylori for antibiotic susceptibility. two fluorescence-in-situ hybridization or FISH on previous paraffin-embedded biopsies if clarithromycin susceptibility has not been performed before. 3. Modification of therapy by adding an antibiotic or bismuth or increasing the dose and duration of therapy. 4. Repeat course of treatment if the H. pylori loads seem to be high on pathology case point 27.5 the patient is treated with 2 weeks of amoxicillin clarithromycin and metronidazole and 8 weeks of omeprazole to eradicate h pylori and heal the ulcer respectively 2 months after finishing the treatment repeat egd demonstrates healing of the ulcer and resolution of the nodular gastritis time for Beyond the Pearls. A trial of histamine 2H2 receptor blockers or proton pump inhibitors may be offered for four to six weeks for dyspepsia without alarming symptoms. Lack of improvement of symptoms or relapse should be evaluated with EGD. The only indication for testing and treatment for H. pylori is demonstrated ulcer disease. Treatment can also be considered for those with iron deficiency anemia refractory to treatment or first-degree relative with gastric cancer. H. pylori is not a cause of chronic abdominal pain. Patients presenting with chronic abdominal pain should not be tested nor treated for H. pylori infection. Gastric biopsies for H. pylori should be obtained from both the antrum and the body of the stomach. Normally, the highest bacterial count is found in the antrum, but in cases of low gastric acidity, the bacteria may be present only in the body or cardiac portion of the stomach. This can occur with the use of acid-blocking medications such as H2 receptor antagonists and proton pump inhibitors. Predictors of failure to H. pylori treatment include poor patient compliance with the multi-drug regimen, drug resistance of the organism short duration of therapy proton pump inhibitor pretreatment and high bacterial load pretreatment H pylori has been implicated in immune thrombocytopenic purpura or ITP there is cross reactivity between the antiplatelet antigen and the A antigen of H pylori Studies from Japan, Italy, and Spain have shown improvement in chronic ITP after the eradication of H. pylori. In China, an oral recombinant vaccine against H. pylori prevented 72% of infections after the first year of vaccination and continued reduced risk for infection for up to three years. Alright, time for a case summary. So what was the complainer history? A 13-year-old male presents to the emergency room for hematoemesis. He has had nausea, vomiting, and pain in his epigastric region, worsening in the past week. He notes black stools and a 5-pound unintentional weight loss over the past two months. What were our findings? His physical examination is significant for tachycardia, moderate abdominal pain on palpation, and heme-positive stools in the rectal vault. What labs or tests? His laboratory tests are significant for microcytic anemia. EGD shows gastritis with a nodular antrum and a bleeding gastric ulcer. Histopathology demonstrates gastritis with S-shaped gram-negative rods in the mucus layer of the antral biopsies. The diagnosis? Peptic ulcer disease due to H. pylori infection. The treatment, he is treated with triple antibiotics for two weeks and a proton pump inhibitor for two months with resolution of his disease. This concludes case 27. Again, this is Dr. Parastukhalasi Hosseini. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beatman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, Vita brevis.